Seems like a lot of eventful things happened this week in AEW and WWE. Let's talk it all about it next on the Squared Circle Cycle Babble. My name is Michael Valenti. Joining me is Ralph Valenti. Ralph, let's start with AEW Dynamite Grand Slam. Five title matches on the show. But I think the thing that highlighted the show the most is the surprise debut of the artist formerly known as Paige Soraya, who comes out after the fatal four-way for the interim women's championship match. So after Tony Storm sneaks out a victory with the roll-up pin on Britt Baker, Britt Baker and crew attack Tony Storm, attack Athena, who's also in the match, and then coming in for the save, hitting her music that no one knew what it was, was in fact Soraya and got a huge ovation for this. So were you shocked? of Soraya joining AEW last night, making the debut, or did you see this coming? And what are your thoughts on the debut itself? Uh, Was I shocked? I was absolutely shocked, but shocked in a good way. I had a feeling just, it's hard to explain it, but if you've been a pro wrestling fan for a while, you can kind of get a sense of the way the wrestlers are kind of performing the the beat down, if you will, sometimes kind of leads you to believe somebody's going to come out Somebody's going to debut. It's going to be a shocking return, something like that. And I kind of got that sense. I guess the way to compare it is if you you, you obviously remember when uh, Sid and Papa Shango were beating down on Hogan back yes. in uh, WrestleMania. And then all of a sudden the Warriors music hit. It was almost yep. like, you know, the, the beating just happened and it just continued to go on and on and on to the point where it's like, all right, they're either going to cut to commercial or somebody's going to come out and make a save. But they did it in a way where they led you to believe like, OK, it's going to be something big. As soon as Soraya's name popped up on that screen, fans went absolutely apeshit. Of the most recent debuts for AEW, because it's been a while since we've gotten, I think, somebody like as high profiled as her, I would think. And I say that because when you really think back, probably one of the very first women to be a part of this whole women's revolution in terms of pro wrestling, to get out of the divas era of pro wrestling. Now, the unfortunate thing is some injuries here and there, some bad booking along the way. But, you know, even coming out of NXT and all that type of stuff, she was one of the top performers. So this is a huge get for AEW, somebody that could do, you know, really good things for the women's division, both on the mic, uh, in the ring, hopefully as long as she's healthy. But no, a very pleasant surprise, but the highlight of the night for sure for me. I think this really bolsters the women's division, which honestly... Everybody says the Achilles heel in AEW right now doesn't get a lot of focus. And someone like Soraya coming in not only brings that, you know, focus for Tony Khan to put emphasis on it, but this is someone with star power. You know, yeah. she has a huge following in and out of the ring. Obviously, those that remember the movie made about her with the Rocks production company, Fighting with My Family. So there's definitely going to be some connections here. It's a it's a huge gap for AEW. I am excited to see what she does. You would think that this is leading to her getting back into the ring, but obviously nothing said. We'll have to see what the follow-up is next week, and I'm sure they're going to have some interview with her and maybe Tony Schiavone explaining herself. And is she going to be a manager? Is she going to be just a commentator? Or is she getting back into the ring? I hope it's where she gets back into the ring because you see the likes of Edge, and Christian and whoever else that have had these long quote unquote career threatening injuries to come back and excel at a high level. Why can't Paige or why can't yeah. Soraya? Ball is in Tony Khan's court here, man. Because when you look back on some of the debuts, some people that, you know, 
came in right out of the gate, high expectations, thought they were going to make a huge splash. And there were, you know, Athena could be one of those people. You can look at uh, Ruby Riot, wh- whoever you want to point to. I mean, that's the main thing. They should not absolutely drop, absolutely not drop the ball with her. This is a really good opportunity for them to get the women's division on the right track and, and breathe some life into that division there where you can literally do right out of the gate her and Britt Baker if she is going to wrestle and uh, people will be into that. So hit the reset button, get that division on the right track and uh, make it work. Just don't let them fall to the back burner like so many others have, unfortunately, after the big debut. Yeah, it's definitely the money feud right there, Soraya and Britt Baker, because you already have the star power in Britt Baker, bringing the star power of Soraya from WWE. I do have to say, this came to my mind, and I don't know if this came to your mind too or anybody else listening or watching. Is Tony Khan bringing back WWE backstage? Because everyone that's been on that show, with the exception of Renee Young, and that could possibly happen one day, is in AEW now. And this no, Booker T, Booker T is the only one that wasn't, but we know Booker T is probably never going to AEW with all the comments that he says against Tony Khan against AEW. But every other pundit that they've had from CM Punk, Christian, I believe, was on the show. Athena was a regular on the show. And Paige was weekly on the show. They're bringing back WWE backstage. They're like, all of them are just going to retire now and they're just going to do AEW backstage. And that's going to be the new show on TBS. AW after after dark, if you will. <laughs> yeah. AEW, uh, the darkest dark elevations. Yeah. What, whatever you want to call it. Rampaging in the dark, a high elevation. That wasn't what closed the show last night. What closed the show was John Moxley making history, becoming the first ever three time AEW world champion, beating Brian Danielson for a second time this year, winning the tournament of champions. Watching throughout this whole thing up in a press box or in a skybox was MJF and the cameras kept going back and forth between the match and MJF. And they had some really good shots with him in the background looking down. I, one, I thought the match was really good, but I really loved the whole storyline focusing on MJF to make people think, you know what? He might wait till this match is over and he cashes in. Is he going to cash in? Is he not? And obviously we find out that he didn't, but obviously a little something to keep you watching throughout the end of the show and actually had a little cliffhanger at the end where Regal looked like he was going to congratulate Moxley on the win, but Danielson looked like he was ripping the belt out of Regal's hands and then they closed the show. It went to black. It messed it up. Yeah. Brian Danielson put the belt around Moxley's waist. So I believe we were supposed to get that. I think they ran out of time and I think they cut you know, cut the screen uh, in order not to go over. Um, mm-hmm. But yes, I did see it on Twitter. He did put the belt around Moxley's waist as he's done with others. I believe Wheeler, Utah, somebody put a picture out of um, you know, Dan- him. Uh, Daniel belt, Garcia so. too. Yep. Yep. So that, that did happen. Uh, let, let me say this aside from this match, but somebody who's involved in this whole quarrel here, MJF is last night in my mind, had one of his better promos that he's caught in a very, very long... He's always good, but last night, he was on another level because I think last night we got the first glimpse of how he can make his whole persona work as a face. Mm -hmm. Because even when he's cutting on the fans, he did it in a way where it was like cocky, kind of joking, like 
I'm going to sleep with all your wives. And he was like, you know, it's all right. It's fine. It's fine. like he he did it in a way where it's like the cool frat boy, not like him trying to be a dick and draw heat. Now, obviously, they didn't end it that way. But in my mind, that guy could be the top guy in the he may already be the top guy. He really, truly yeah. already may be, may be the top guy. I think with them, with him right now, they have their next face like tweener, true like guy that can blur those lines between good guy, good guy, bad guy doesn't need to be either or just a chauvinistic like prick. That's funny. And the fans are going to be into him. And I think they should run with that now. At like right now. And I think they should get the belt on him like ASAP. How much of um, that though is the fact that it's in Queens and not somewhere outside of New York? Does he get that same reaction if the show is in Kansas City, Missouri? He's Does he get that same reaction if it's in Jacksonville, Florida? You know, I think I think he, he's gotten that reaction in my mind ever since he's come back, ever ever since he returned at all out, he got a reaction everywhere he's gone. He even has tried to get the fans to turn on him, and he's finding it difficult to do that. And I know that's fairly common in pro wrestling, but I mean, Wheeler Yuta is a guy who is essentially beloved by the whole AEW fan base because he's a pro wrestler and you know, that whole thing, that whole shtick. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's okay, but you know, MJF just absolutely torched him last night, and the fans yeah. were booing, at least a good portion of them were booing Wheeler Yuta for uh, trying at least to hold his own. So yeah, well, um, unfortunately, they showed the weakness of Wheeler Yuta because going up against possibly the best talker, not just in AEW but all of pro wrestling last night. So I mean, that did not put a lot of shine on a guy that a lot of AEW fans loved heading into last night. But it's hard to go against the MJF train right now, or whatever he calls it now whatever he says his wife rides he's his fiance is the only one to ride that but regardless this you know may have had some shocking things outside of Soraya debuting Moxley winning the title again not that much of a shock although on our community page I think like 67 percent voted for Danielson to win the match over Moxley the thing I think was the most shocking from from Dynamite Grand Slam is we have a new Ring of Honor world champion, and it's Chris Jericho. Would you have ever thought, in the years and years and years that Ring of Honor has existed, would you ever think Chris Jericho would be the world champion of Ring of Honor? Uh, No, absolutely not. I would not have ever thought that. Do you think it was a good move to put the title on Chris Jericho? Number one, I'm not necessarily a fan of them using the Ring of Honor titles on AEW. I've been saying this for a while. I want them to just focus on what's best for AEW. You know, Cesaro or you know, Claudio, whatever you want to call him, kind of unfortunate. I mean, you, you think of, you think about the message this might send a little bit, right? A guy that leaves WWE because Vince McMahon doesn't believe in him because he doesn't think he can be that guy. He goes to AEW. He wins what people are considering his first major world championship mm-hmm. only to drop it to a guy like Chris Jericho, who is, if there's, if there's a sports entertainer on the whole AEW roster, it's Chris Jericho. Now from a business standpoint, I guess I understand it. They want Chris Jericho to be the guy in ring of honor. Do I think it's going to work? No, I don't think it's going to work. I don't think, I I don't think ring of honor is going to do much of anything beyond what it was doing before. AW purchased them or Tony Khan purchased them. I, I I don't know where they're going with this other than maybe him and uh, Daniel Garcia feuding over that title because of what that title means 
the pro wrestling prestige behind it, you know, having to shake hands before and after a match, the show of respect, like there truly is supposed to be a lot of honor and dignity behind that title. Chris Jericho is the opposite of that, which might play in nicely to the whole Daniel Garcia thing. I'm not quite sure it needed that title. I guess I will wait to to see what happens with it before I judge. But yeah, no, I know I, I, I can't say initially out of the gate. I'm a fan of this move. I like the move. I honestly do like the move because one, I, I think, I mean, if you believe Tony Khan, he's in talks with Warner Brother Discovery about getting Ring of Honor on a weekly TV basis. And if this is a great negotiating chip, like you're going to get Chris Jericho on this Ring of Honor, which should draw in viewers. From a storyline perspective, I think this is absolutely great because of the whole dynamic that we've been seeing with Daniel Garcia and Chris Jericho and this whole sports entertainer versus pro wrestler storyline that we've been getting since February of this year, March of this year. I absolutely love it. And I love the hypocrisy of a sports entertainer is not a pro wrestler in this whole thing because Chris Jericho, who is a pro wrestler, although people might label him as a sports entertainer, is now holding the title, which many make the connection of only pro wrestlers work here. There are no sports entertainers in this promotion. So it's just proving that no matter what, the sports entertainer, quote unquote, will always beat the pro wrestler, which has been the storyline from the beginning. I absolutely love this. And I love like. Me personally, up until maybe a month ago, never got connected with Daniel Garcia. This aspect of the storyline now where he's kind of like, no, I'm not a sports entertainer. I'm a pro wrestler. He's kind of conflicted because Jericho led him to popularity and notoriety and, you know, the mainstream. But he still loves guys like Brian Danielson, who he treated as a hero growing up. And he got to wrestle him. He got to beat him, even though he did it through nefarious means and has that guilty conscience over it. He could not, you know, celebrate with Chris Jericho when he won his match. Chris Jericho then returned the favor when Garcia won that match for the uh, pure championship. So I love this storyline. I loved how this storyline has now developed. So I'm excited to see what happens next. Uh, well, time will tell, but I, I honestly think that's probably the direction that makes the most sense. Jericho, Daniel Garcia feuding over this title. I'm sure Jericho will cut the perfect promo to kind of explain, you know, whatever is going to come next. And then mm-hmm. you know, we'll see what happens with Claudio. I just hope with Claudio again, it's just not another guy who got propped up just to be put on the back burner who, you know, won't have any role really on in any prominent right role. And you get, know, so and gets gets ended up on dark and win a bunch of matches. And all of a sudden he'll get a title match just because he won 20 matches on dark. Speaking of winning a lot of matches on dark, the winningest tag team in AEW history is the acclaimed, believe it or not. And you wouldn't know that because a lot of their matches were won on dark, but nonetheless, they are still one of the most popular acts in AEW. Hence why Tony Khan gave the rematch to the acclaim against Swerve in our glory at grand slam. We have new tag team champions, Ralph, the acclaim win the AEW Tag Team Championships against Swerve and Our Glory. I don't think this match was as good as the match at All Out, but the reaction that the fans gave for this match, I really hope this gives them momentum and gives them a long title reign. And obviously, I think this also starts the wedge between Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland as well. So congratulations to the Acclaim. 
I absolutely think they are red hot right now. Don't let them lose the momentum like Wardlow did. Yeah, definitely a, a much deserved win for them, especially considering they were a team that I don't think anybody put a whole lot of stock in initially right out of the gate. In fact, I think I saw it's probably their first time ever working this gimmick together on Dark. They Somebody posted it on Twitter today, I think, just to see how far they've come. And that, again, this is... This is the type of stuff that Tony Khan should be proud of. Like, that's a mm-hmm. feather in his cap because this isn't like, you know, Christian or Chris Jericho or uh, Claudio, anybody that came from another uh, company like a WWE or that had, you know, uh, mainstream notoriety on, on a high level like New Japan Pro Wrestling and Jay White or anything like that. These these are guys that really made their name. Wardlow's, uh, you know, the acclaimed. These are people that made their name and really reached certain heights in, in AEW. And, and, you know, I think the two people, at least off the top of my mind, I would say Wardlow and MJF would be mm-hmm. one and two in terms of homegrown talent, AEW talent. But I mean, we'll see what happens with the acclaimed. But as they are super over right now, I say it all the time. I can't believe in 2022, Billy Gunn is as over as he's ever been, maybe. Considering he, he it wasn't like a guy who he was truly involved in pro wrestling, at least on screen, uh, until maybe a couple of years ago. Uh, so definitely interesting dynamic there. But, you know, uh, it's working. They're the champions. Interested to see what happens kind of in the future. Uh, so good for them. The only thing that I worry about is, was the knee that Max Caster hurt, was that just a work for the story of the match or did he actually do something to his knee? Because it looked very awkward. Like he, the camera angle didn't even have him jumping off the top rope and you could see like he landed away from, what was it? Keith Lee that they tried to do the mic drop on? I believe so. Yeah. I think it was Keith Lee. There was a couple different weird spots in this. There were some weird spots in this. And I think after that injury, whether it was a work or legit, that match kind of faltered a little bit, but then he hits the mic drop and has like a, I don't know if it was a shot of adrenaline or he forgot he's supposed to work the knee, but he just jumped right on top of the turnbuckle with no problem whatsoever, hit the mic drop and that, and there's your new champs. But let's move over to WWE. Did you watch NXT by any chance this week or at least follow clips on Twitter? Yes, I saw some of it. I think I know exactly what we're going to talk about here. Okay, so for those that did not watch NXT, you may have missed the spot on the show where Shawn Michaels brought in Solo Sokoa into his office with Carmelo Hayes there as well and forced Sokoa to vacate the NXT North American Championship because he entered a match that was not sanctioned, which he then, I mean, he won that match to win the North American Championship. The match was negated, doesn't count. He's not the North American champion. And he had to hand over the title to Shawn Michaels. Now the title is going to be decided in a ladder match at Halloween Havoc that will feature Carmelo Hayes and four other participants. Do you think there's a legit reason for this, like storyline wise, or is this just a booking blunder by Shawn Michaels and Triple H and whoever's involved with NXT right now? Well, I hope it's going to lead to something and something meaningful, because I mean, look, I think a lot of people are excited that, you know, they were this is another belt within the the bloodline. It it kind of bolstered him up. It brought a little intrigue to uh, him and, and NXT and the fact that the bloodline was kind of showing up wherever they wanted and now winning titles. And there was a whole thing about Sami Zayn being the only one in the group without a title. So 
I was into it and to see it just kind of like, oh, well, you got to hand the belt back. It's kind of like, well, why even do it in the first place? Why even there's, do it? There's some theories you could throw out there. Obviously, you brought up Sami Zayn. Yeah. Did Sami Zayn do some politicking with Shawn Michaels and say, look, and, you know, did his whole conspiracy theory thing like it wasn't a sanctioned match. He shouldn't be champion. And then that's going to get revealed down the line. And then that eventually leads to him getting forced out of the bloodline for whatever part of the story it's going to be involving Sami Zayn in the bloodline. The other thing is, this is obviously going to piss off Roman Reigns. Does he get involved with Shawn Michaels? And I'm not saying Roman Reigns is going to show up on NXT, but do we see, like, for example, Paul Heyman show up in NXT? Do we see the Usos show up in NXT? And, like, build a story around this. Like, why was this title vacated? Who brought this up? Or is it just going to be like we've seen in WWE booking past where something happens, they should have a follow-up to it, and then it's like Finn Balor's rope breaking and no one knows how it happened. There's a, there's a, uh, really two things that stand out in my mind so far since Triple H has taken over the realm of creativity. This would be one of them if it doesn't actually get explained. The other one is Damage Control winning the titles after you know losing the match, what, two weeks prior to that. So yeah. Other than that, Triple H has been fairly consistent. I think had some really good, well-produced shows with some good, intriguing storylines. But yeah, I just hope this pays off. Uh, I hope this isn't just, hey, you're dropping the title. Someone else is going to be the champion after a ladder match and that's it. But I just, I I hate when WWE does, I hate when all pro wrestling does this. It's kind of like, all right, well, we're not going to follow up on it. You talk about Triple H, you know, being consistent and doing some good booking for the most part. But I think what everybody's talking about about getting people intrigued might not necessarily be what was in the ring this week, but what was happening throughout the show on raw. I'm sure everybody in the IWC saw this, that watched raw or followed Twitter Monday night into Tuesday afternoon, this QR code that showed up on raw. And it was right when they were showing a graphic for Austin theory versus Kevin Owens. So you scan the QR code and there's all this cryptic stuff. It's got a white rabbit that says feed your head, which is the ending lyric of the song white rabbit by Jefferson airplane. You click that and it does all this other stuff. It leads to a hangman game where the question is asked who killed the world. And it says you did is the, is the puzzle that's solved, but it chooses other letters throughout the thing. And the first five letters that are chosen spell out demon. So, There's a lot of things going on and people think that this is a tease for the return of Bray Wyatt. Now, when is this happening? It seems like the the last frame of this thing that you click on is 923, but it looks like a time, not a date, but a time 923, but in blue font. So obviously 923 is actually the date of SmackDown. Is this a debut of Bray Wyatt's return? But I told you, Ralph, we were texting about this. And I said, no, could it not be 923 the date, but 923 the time? And lo and behold, you text me back at 923. Someone in the crowd had a QR code and you scan that and it goes to the same thing. So what the heck's going on here, Ralph? So there's one massive part here that I think you're overlooking. So the bunny actually goes from both sides and it does 923 as a time. And then it flashes to the other side and it says 923 as a date. Mm-hmm. So I think which is tomorrow, SmackDown. Whomever this is, whether it's The Fiend, and it can be The Fiend because I think the thing it says you did or you know, follow me or who ruined the world or who, whatever who the question the world, was. You did. 
I think that can be some type of cryptic message for Roman. Roman was a guy that came back, right? He he ruined the world when he beat the Fiend and took the title from, was it him and Strowman in that yep. triple threat or whatever match? Yep. So there could be a tie to that, or it could be Demon. You think of Finn Balor. Is Finn Balor going to go after Roman? Because, correct me if I'm wrong, Roman and that that odd, very odd match where the, the, the ring rope broke, you know, is this Finn Balor and is his Judgment whole gang Day? of posses there? In the Judgment Day, are they going to go after you know, the bloodline. Well, the thing is the X's on that were purple, which would tie into the judgment day color theme right now. So that could be something that people are overlooking because it seems like everything is tying into Bray Wyatt, but it could be the judgment day. It could be the demon Finn Balor as, you know, a dark horse or a red herring, whatever the case may be. I know some people have even gone back to interviews that Bray Wyatt did with Michael Cole, where he basically said i don't know if it was the exact who killed the world you did but it was something like who makes these labels who's make these labels you did i get it but sometimes those could be a reach but like i feel like psychics do this all the time where like they speak vaguely but specific at the same time so that people think they're the psychic knows what they're talking about i felt like people making these kind of connections is exactly that so until 9 23 friday night we don't know for sure if this is bray wyatt or not but I have my DVR set. I don't know if you could set it exactly to 923, but SmackDown's automatically recorded on my DVR anyway. So I'll just fast forward to 923 when that time comes. Cause I'm going to be too busy trying to figure out how to watch Aaron judge break a home run record on Apple TV, even though I don't have Apple TV plus. I will be right there with you, but 923, yep. I will probably be flipping back to SmackDown. You know, the other thing that people might be talking about coming out of Monday night raw is We knew that Extreme Rules was going to have Seth Rollins and Matt Riddle at some point, but to what extent you figure the show being called Extreme Rules and the the back and forth that these two have had, you think it'd be settled in an Extreme Rules match? No, 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 no. That's not the case. So Seth Rollins gets screwed out of the United States Championship match against Bobby Lashley, thanks to Matt Riddle. Matt Riddle gets the retaliation from Seth Rollins in a tag team match with Riddle and Rey Mysterio against the Judgment Day when Rollins attacked Riddle. They get backstage and another pull apart that we've seen many times in this story. Seth Rollins says, fine, I'll give you a rematch. You tell me the time, you tell me the place. And Riddle goes, extreme rules, fight pit. We're getting the fight pit back, Ralph, for the first time since it was called the Lion's Den match. WWE is having the fight pit. I'm excited for this. I really am. I think... Obviously, we've seen Riddle in the fight pit before against Timothy Thatcher, and that was a great match. And if you don't remember that, go back and watch that. That was a good match. They have such good chemistry. I'm excited to see how this develops in the the fight pit, honestly. Yeah, absolutely. And if nothing else, I mean, the one thing that I said about this and more specifically Triple H taking over is Matt Riddle definitely seems like he has a little bit of an edge to him. It's more of a serious persona, not so much the joking stoner type guy. And I think that this persona of him can go much further and people can take him serious and connect with him. Uh, and who knows, maybe one day challenge for a title or do whatever, but this is exciting. I'm excited for the match. I think it's going to be a good back and forth because these guys do have good chemistry um, and it will be different. It'll be different. It'd be something to look forward to in, on extreme rules. That's, you know, a different look, a different feel, not just, okay, kendo sticks, tables, chairs, garbage cans. It will have its own unique thing and it'll give, Seth, an opportunity to continue to do 
uh, what he's done all year and just have great matches with another guy who's very good. Assuming Roman is not on the card, does this main event Extreme Rules? Uh, I would imagine this probably would. I don't know what else you could really main event with unless you go with one of the uh, the US or IC title. Or tag team championship. Yeah, I guess you can, but I mean, Riddle, I would say Riddle and Seth have probably have the biggest rivalry, longest running rivalry, at least right now. And the last time Roman was on, wasn't on a card, Seth Rollins main evented with Cody Rhodes in a Hell in a Cell match. So most likely this will main event that pay-per-view. And I think it's a great way to close out that show. But speaking of Roman Reigns, we found out who his next challenger is going to be. And no, it's not anyone you probably thought of a couple weeks ago, but it was announced at a press conference last weekend that Logan Paul is going to be challenging Roman Reigns for the undisputed WWE Universal Championship at Crown Jewel, November 5th, I think is the date. I know there's a lot of people that are loving this idea. There's a lot of people that absolutely hate this idea. I understand the argument for both. I honestly don't know where I stand on this yet. I feel like this is going to bring a lot of eyeballs to the industry, which helps not just WWE, but all promotions outside, including AEW. The match will be better than what people that are against it would think because Roman, say what you want about him, has great match after great match after great match. Yes, he's had the blunder against Brock at WrestleMania, but injuries were more of an issue than execution of the match. And if someone mentions the Undertaker match and blames Roman for that, you're, I'm sorry, you're just a Roman hater at that point, okay? None of that was his fault. That was all Undertaker. He should have not been in that match to begin with. But nonetheless, that was what, six years ago? Roman is a much better wrestler, much better storyteller, much better talker that could sell, sell this match. And Logan Paul and his promo with Paul Heyman on Friday Night on SmackDown sold the story with just one sentence. All it takes is that one lucky punch. Do you think that is a foreshadowing tale that Logan Paul will dethrone Roman Reigns as the WWE Undisputed Universal Champion, we're all thinking Cody, Drew McIntyre, Seth Rollins, Bobby Lashley. Nope, it's going to be Logan F and Paul. Uh, no, I don't think so. I do think Logan Paul is gets a lot of unfair treatment because of who he is, and I think it's very easy to hate him. I think he's actually unnatural on the mic. Doesn't come across as forced. I thought his interaction with Paul Heyman was great. I think that he's uh, underappreciated in terms of what he's done so far in the ring. And I bet you this match will be very good. Logan Paul's not winning, though. He's not the guy that's beaten Roman. It's tough to ask this question because we don't really know the full numbers because Peacock doesn't, you know, release these numbers. But do you think we'll have some kind of report where they show a significant boost in Peacock viewership compared to other premium live events WWE has held? with Logan Paul versus Roman Reigns as the main event. I know the some people are going to say, tough. well, it's in Saudi Arabia. I'm boycotting the show as it is. Outside of that, do you think this actually brings eyeballs, not just hardcore fans of WWE or wrestling as a whole, but like those that saw Logan versus Mayweather? Could he bring in some of those people in this against Roman Reigns? I'm sure he's going to, and I'm sure that's exactly why WWE is doing this. Uh, I've no, I almost have no doubt that that's why they're doing this. The tough thing's going to be this. I think all these Saudi Arabia shows are on at some random time in the middle of the afternoon, which is maybe that's the intent. Maybe it's not. But it's what a Saturday. About. 
it's okay. it's going to be similar to Clash of the Castle, where that started at what one. So I'm sure yeah. Crown Jewels probably going to start around maybe eleven, twelve, or one, the latest. Because there, I'm I think, sure we will get some sort of report of just talking about how successful this was. That's yeah, the name but, of the game. They'll they'll manipulate the numbers just like AEW, you know, reports their good numbers and. That's the name of the game to make yourself look like you're the best thing since sliced bread. That's how you use those numbers. But some people right. don't want to admit that's all ratings and these numbers do. I, I think it's going to be fun. And I think this week, what happened with AEW, what happened in WWE brought intrigue as a fan. That makes me want to say, I want to see what happens next. So let us know what you guys think of what happened in WWE, what happened in AEW. Are you excited to see what happens next? Let us know in the comments below. And don't forget to share us over social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at SCPB Podcast. We'll see you on the next episode of the Squared Circle Psychobabble. <laughs>